Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneke Wakis-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Coming up on this episode of The Entrepreneurial You. There is no better proven strategy for killing fear than action. But no matter how you act, it is unlikely to prevent fear from ever returning because fear is persistent. It loves a good challenge and it loves to test to see if you've really gotten over it. Hi, I'm Henneke Watkins-Portal, your inspirational leader and host of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Jamaica Stock Exchange. And now let's go to today's episode. On the Entrepreneurial You today is a communications consultant, internationally ranked speaker, digital brand management coach, and social researcher. At age 27, she holds certification from Australia's Curtin University, a Bachelor of Science in International Relations, political science and African diaspora studies. Now completing a Master of Science in Natural Resource Management, she was a World University Debater, ranked the number one public speaker in the world by the World University's Debate Championships. A former Miss Jamaica Festival Queen and National Youth Ambassador for Vision 2030 Jamaica, she is the CEO of the Center for Self-Management and Director of the $5 Forum. She is one of the most requested speakers in Jamaica, host of an internationally syndicated television show, Nyamins, and is passionately in love with music, Jamaican cuisine, and her spouse, Moses, a.k.a. Beanie Man. I'm super delighted to finally have Crystal Tomlinson join me on The Entrepreneurial You. Welcome, Crystal, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Henneke. It is a pleasure and an honor to be on. I listen all the time, so I'm happy to be part of the family now. Yes, and you have been for a long time, and I really thank you for your support, and I appreciate it greatly. Thank you so much. So lately, I've been asking my guests, which have been mostly international, right, about how much Jamaican they can talk. Of course, (laughs) since you're Jamaican and you're living in Jamaica, I'll definitely forego that. And instead... Instead, I choose to fasten your business. No. Okay. What is it like dating the king of the dance hall, a.k.a. the girls M. sugar? <laughs> um, I have to tell you, it's never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Um, myself as a public figure and, and he... Him already having an international public profile kind of compounds what I would have been exposed to as a Jamaican personality to now have extremely global impact that I really wasn't prepared for, to tell you the truth. Um, so it, it means that a lot of his fans have become online fans of mine and whatever I do, there are people who are now watching, not because they know me, but because they know him. And so they want to be a part of everything that is him. Um, so it, it really opens beyond the, the public scrutiny and the eyes, just the level of support and um, digital attention and conversations you know, that are directed my way. So it's just learning to draw the line between people who like you and people who actually know you. Um, yes. Because what they, the person might like you for online 
clearly is not the fullest picture of who you are and what your interests are. Um, so it's, it's just not getting caught in that vacuum of thinking that these are real relationships um, that are being formed. Rather, it's, it's just kindness being shared by strangers and, and you just have to receive the kindness and keep your head screwed on. And when it's not so kind, again, receive it but keep your head screwed on. Don't let it discourage you and don't let it give you too much pride either. Interesting perspective. I'm sure it must be, as you said, never a dull moment. <laughs> All right. You have such an impressive profile. Congratulations. And you're, you're pretty young, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for now. Yes, for now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to many accomplished persons and most of the time they don't believe that they're that's accomplished what are your thoughts on your own accomplishments no it's the same like i've thought about all the things that i am able to do want to do must do before i leave the earth and i don't think i even clocked 25 percent of it yet and i think what happens is that the more you achieve and the the higher you go as you reach your your potential and your purpose you'll find that there are many more doors left unlocked so while you enjoy the unlocking of this new achievement and arriving at this place, as you get there, naturally you start to think, how can I go further? How can I do better? How can I improve? Particularly when your only competition is yourself, you get to really focus on what you know is your best effort. So there are times when I get lauded for things that I didn't really put 100% in it. You know, I never really thought it all the way through. I was kind of just going off of gut and impulse and winging it. And when you, when you win while you're winging it, you're kind of cautious about giving yourself the applause, you know, because you know if you could have put a little more thought into it, um, reached out for additional resources, networked a little bit, the impact could have been just that much greater. So the challenge is always to see what I could have done better and what doors remain locked that require my special key to open it. So I'm always looking for those opportunities. Interesting. No, you've said something, you know, that was quite profound and is that your competition is just yourself, right? And, you know, in a space where everybody seemed to be looking on what the next person is doing and, you know, and seeing the grass is greener on the other side and seeing the road, you know, that the lanes that are so trafficy. Whereas if you stay, you know, and, and water your own grass, it would get green too. And stay in your own lane, then you wouldn't have so much traffic. Now, what keeps you so focused that you see the competition as yourself and you're not looking on what other persons are doing and competing with them? Well, I do look at what other people are doing, but the way I look at it is different. Um, mm. And that, that speaks to one of the things I had embedded in one of my truths for 2018, which is that opportunities are not scarce. So I can't go into the world with a scarcity mindset that tells me if somebody gets a car, that's it for me. There are no more cars and I need to be very upset and concerned that they got the car. If somebody gets a promotion, I'm going to be not happy for them because they, they have gotten a promotion, which means I can't get it anymore. So if I, if I look at other people gaining, advancing, um, succeeding with a mindset of scarcity, it puts me in competition mode. Rather, I look at it as abundance of opportunity. And because I know there are never-ending opportunities, I adopt a 
cooperative sort of um, commerce where if you're winning at something and I'm interested in it, I am naturally interested in it. I'm going to ask you to help me to further my interest. If there is something I'm uncertain about, some door, as I said, that needs to be unlocked that I haven't figured out how to unlock yet. I'm not too cautious to say, boy, if I share this idea or ask this question, somebody going to teeth it. So let me, let me stay by myself and do this on my own. I would rather go and seek the help, seek partnership, seek to collaborate and cooperate with other persons to get that thing done. Because I don't believe a win for somebody else automatically means a loss for me. And so I don't end up competing with anyone. I'm looking for ways to collaborate. If we can't collaborate, then that's okay. But I'm more inclined to find the common ground to work together. Now, you've started to touch on what you've actually declared 2018 to be, which is a year of discipline. And you have four truths to be guided by. And I'm going to also add on that to lead yourself, because as you know, as I know, and as you know, that we are the CEOs of our lives. And if we don't take charge of that, if you don't, you don't take charge of ourselves, then we are going down a path to destruction. Right. And so you started with the whole mindset thing, which is one of the four that we're, we're going to be going into. And it's coming from a place of abundance, you know, um, when we talk about not looking what, on what others are doing, we're not saying we're not looking because, yes, we need to. They're doing stuff. And just as we're doing stuff and we need other people to see other people are doing stuff. And they also, you know, we, we see what they're doing, but it's not from, oh, my God, she's doing this, which means, um, you know, it's no this intense competition and rivalry. And so because you have the slice of that pie, it therefore means that my slice of the pie has been reduced. But when we take it, as you're rightfully saying, when we, when we look at things from the perspective of abundance, you know, there, there is so much resource in this world for everybody. You know, you winning doesn't mean that I am losing. As it relates to mindset, then the next one you want to go into is your approach. The approach now, uh, that really helps me to focus on what I need to do. And then everything else perhaps need not be done if I do those core things right. And I pulled on this one after reading a, a book last year called Essentialism, um, written by Greg Mac McCone. And what it spoke about was our ability or perhaps inability to identify what was essential to do at work, what was essential to do in our intimate relationships, what was essential to do for our health, for business. Because we couldn't identify the essential, we started chasing non-essentials or in, in other words, we started chasing things that other people were doing. And so you think that going to work makes you productive. Having a job at nine to five and turning up every day is proof that you are adulting, that you're getting this work thing right and this professional thing right. When instead, focusing on the essential would have you ask, am I best placed in this business? Is this, this role that they've given me to fulfill the best use of my skill? These 17 and 30 meetings that I'm going to each week, are they essential meetings or are they wasting my time? Am I clear on what the goals are for my company and how I can help to get the company to that goal? Because many people aren't clear on what they're doing. They can't even tell you why they're doing it, except that it's the thing that is to be done. And so my challenge to me is to focus on the essential thing. If I am to find any measure of success, personal or professional, but more importantly, if I'm supposed to enjoy life, mm -hmm. 
I must prioritize the thing that is important, which means not bringing home into the workplace, but more importantly, not bringing the workplace home because I must be able to enjoy the thing that I'm working to build. And if you ask a lot of people if they remembered why they took a job, it was to take care of their family. And that very same job has pulled you away from the family. So you don't get to spend time with your children, not spending any time with your spouse, um, not resting to even enjoy the pay that you get at the end of the month. So you start to focus on the job and not recognizing what essential need or purpose that job was supposed to fulfill. And that convolution makes people feel stressed, unhappy, and unable to enjoy that daily process that we're going through. Because routines are important, but allow your routine to be powered by your why. So you can enjoy even the most mundane tasks in your day because you know it is the most important thing I'm doing that gets me the very best result at the end of the day. So implicit in this discipline is the finding of your why. You must identify what it is that drives you, what it is that keeps you going. Why are you doing whatever you're doing in the first place? Exactly. And the, the question that the question that is asked in the book, Essentialism, is... For us to be able to find out if we're making our highest level of contribution. If you're not making your highest level of contribution, it means you're you're either doing something wrong or the team that you're working with doesn't know what they want you to do. But at all points, we have to be focused on making the highest level of contribution. And that only comes when you focus on a few things. And the few things are the essential things. Not trying to multitask and, and manage 10 competing priorities, but to identify the one or two must-dos that may allow eight other things to disappear off of your to-do list once you've figured out what, what the highest possible contribution is that you can make. And you make it. It reduces the stress and the list of things that you have to complete in your workday and even in your personal life. Amazing. We're going to take a break right here. We're speaking with Crystal Tomlinson, very, very multi-talented, um, a very dynamic young Jamaican woman. And she's doing amazing things in Jamaica and by extension the world because her reach is not just in Jamaica. We take a break and when we come back, we're going to be focusing on the third and fourth of her truths for twenty. 18 as she's declared it to be a year of discipline let's take a break listen up if you are in jamaica this is for you the world needs your voice it's as simple as that so start your own podcast visit hennikawalkisporter.com and sign up now to your podcasting workshop and save 1000 jamaican dollars increase your net worth by connecting with global guests and an audience from all over the world Hurry up, spaces are limited, so sign up now at hennikawatkesporter.com and be part of the movement and ahead of the game. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876 967 
to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Welcome back. Crystal Tomlinson, let's take it up from where we left off. Now we're going to be looking at the third of your four truths and that's success. All right. So this one is is something it took me a little bit to to unearth. And it's partly why I don't feel satisfied with any particular um, achievement or too satisfied. Let me put it that way. And it says, do not be defined by your failures or your successes. Be defined by your potential to grow and create. What that means for me is that no matter how well I do at any particular field of endeavor, that will not define me. That, that is not who I am. I am the potential to do that thing and do it well, but also the potential to do so much more than that. The same applies for my failures. When I don't achieve success at something, I will not define myself by that failure to say I am not good enough for, or this is proof that I could never. Rather, I have the potential to grow from there. So if I choose the lesson, or choose to learn the lesson rather, I get to grow. Same for my success. If I choose to find what more I can create from that single experience of success, I get to grow. And the focus on my potential keeps me energized. It keeps me engaged, coming up with new ideas and new projects because I'm never comfortable to rest on my laurels and say, I have arrived and this is it. I have the potential to be so much more. So in other words, you're saying that failures or successes, they are merely experiences that you, you know, part of your life experiences and they are to be assessed, evaluated, processed, but not to be defined by. No, 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 no. And then there's some people who lock themselves into a box. Um, so because you're good at being a doctor, that is the only thing that you do because you're absolutely sure that you will be successful at this thing and you never venture out to find out if you could experience success in law. And because they allow that success in medicine to define them, they breach what I think is a contract with the universe to demand growth at every single juncture in life. No matter how well you think you're doing in one thing, the brain is built so that you can continue to learn. The body is built to be so agile that no matter how much pressure you put on a muscle, it it adopts the pressure, adapts to the circumstance, and can build new muscle to take on more pressure. So there is no reason except a choice that we've made to stay in a single discipline, to stay on a single path, doing a single thing. There is need for diversity and nature shows us that. And sometimes our individualism is all the diversity we need. The, the, the nurse who can also play the guitar, the lawyer who is also a great athlete, need not say, I must do only one in order to be successful. But it may be that you do one after the other. It may be that you have one as a leisure activity and one as a professional um, pursuit, but don't lock yourself into a single thing and tell you that this is the only thing you can afford to be good at in your entire life. You know, in our in our society, in Jamaican society, for example, where um, we are, you know, a lot of people define themselves based on their successes or failures. So, you know, somebody has a, um, you know, a high level, high paying uh, position in their workplace and they are the best thing since sliced bread, you know, because, 
you know, they have defined themselves and they cannot see themselves outside of that job, for example, or somebody who fails, quote unquote, fails at business, because I really don't even believe in failure. I just believe their experiences and that, uh, you know, you, you experience them and you move on, you process them and you move on. But then in that in, in our society where it can be, you know, looked on as failures or successes and we're very showy and, and stuff. How do you reach the core of those people who they define themselves by that? What's the what's the lesson there? How do you get to them to show them that they're much more than that? Well, one of the things that work well for me, and I know not for everybody, is data. I love data. It's the best way to convince me. But I find that most persons like a good story, a good human interest story that displays some of the same challenges they're having or some of the same successes. But if you can use that that same story to show them a layered approach to success where a man or woman is able to enjoy great success in the financial domain and is also selling art online. You don't have to lock yourself into whether it is something that your parents force you into or you've chose to walk that chosen to walk that path. There is no law in the universe that says you have to do it. And I find people become very convinced when they see others doing it they, they realize that it's something that they too can do. Um, and for some youth, I am that story, that story of not having to just be in media, not having to just be an academic and not having to just be a debater or a, a, you know, a television presenter. There, there are several things that I can do well. And if I choose when I want to do each thing, I can afford to focus and, and win at each of them without feeling like I'm sacrificing one for the other. But people like a good story to know that what man has done, man can do. Interesting and, and very, um, very true. Now, the fourth and final one is this big four-letter word, fair. Mm. Now, this little monster uh, is what I, what, I, what I have to say about fear is that it is so agile in terms of being able to regenerate itself after you think you've killed it. There is there is no better proven strategy for killing fear than action. But no matter how you act, it is unlikely to prevent fear from ever returning because fear is persistent. It loves a good challenge and it loves to test to see if you've really gotten over it. The thing we fear is the thing we choose to fear. I know I have chosen to be afraid of lizards. That is something I don't go there. <laughs> I am afraid of. And you know we share that fear, Henneke, right? Yes, I sadly, oh God, that I am going to be afraid of lizards. And no matter what anybody has to say to me about, oh, it is so small and it doesn't eat human beings and it's good for the environment and they're afraid of you more than you're afraid of them. Yes, we've heard it all. <laughs> a very conscious decision that I am afraid of them. And I've locked myself into that fear box and it keeps me away from logic. It keeps me away from bold action and it keeps me shuddering in my shoes when a lizard walks by going about its business. I have decided that I am okay with allowing this fear to stop me. No, the day I decide that I'm no longer comfortable with that, 
I will begin to take new and different action. So you'll find that I will start chasing a lizard, that I will walk around with my little spray can and be a part of running the lizard out of the house. But that is how we have to approach every other fear in our lives, recognizing that we have decided to be afraid of people's opinions. We have decided to be afraid of loneliness. We've decided to be afraid of failures. And because we've decided that, we are taking actions that align with our fears. When we get uncomfortable being immobilized by that kind of a fear is when we will start to take the action to bring us outside of that box or that prison. So you have to kill the fear. You have to kill it. But it requires that you take action. And to the extent that you're willing to act tells me as a, as a coach whether or not you're ready to kill the fear. Whether this fear has cost you enough for you to realize that it is too expensive of a fear to have in your life. Um, I coach myself through this daily, especially when it comes on to new projects and wanting a project to do really well. There is sometimes a fear that says, wait, you know, you don't have all the answers and all the pieces don't fit in it and all the sponsors haven't confirmed and maybe you're not going to sell all the tickets and this so, so that fear is saying, wait, man, wait, because perfection is what you want. Remember, you're afraid of imperfection. And I have to remind myself that this fear is going to cost me an opportunity. And that is far too expensive. I'm not willing to spend the opportunity on fear. I, I don't think fear deserves that currency right now. And so I act in the midst of fear. And it dies. It dies once you've taken the action because you prove to yourself that you can move beyond that feeling. And if you create a routine of killing the fear and moving beyond the feeling, you develop a level of personal confidence in yourself so that even when fear comes knocking, even when fear is sitting right beside you, it is not enough to prevent you from acting. And you will acknowledge it. You will see it. You will feel bad that fear is right there again because you thought you'd gotten him good the last time. But I'll act again anyways, because he's that kind of mosquito that no matter how much you think you kill the mosquito and that's the last of it, here it comes again. So it's that routine of, and you know, this is a strong analogy that I'm using. This is a routine of mentally murdering the thing by taking action in your mind, envisioning yourself doing something, envisioning yourself being successful at it, thinking about all the ways it could work, and then taking action in real life now to bring that visualized success to a truth. You know, Crystal, I laugh because you've struck so many cards. I mean, especially when it comes on to planning an event and the sponsors and you're like, oh my gosh, and all, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> but we press on anyway, you know, um, we're going to do it afraid anyway. And that's, and that's just life. And if you're, if you're going to be winning at life, you have to do things afraid, acknowledge that you're fearful, but move on, kill it, kill that fear in your mind, mentally slaughter it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And there we have it. So we've looked at uh, this year, which is Crystal's year of discipline for truths to be guided by. And I add to lead yourself. And these are, let me just reiterate. One, it's your mindset. Two, the approach. One, how you look at success. And finally, your um, idea of fear and your approach to fear. So we have 
pretty much come to the end of our conversation. Crystal, you have so eloquently gone through all the various points, made some salient and poignant points. I'm sure that our community of peak performers are intrigued and they are wanting, if they've not already started following you and following your progress and what it is that you're doing, they'll be um, joining you, joining your family, you know, in, in short order. Before, I welcome, I yes. welcome the entrepreneurial you family into my own. Thank yes. you very much. Helico. Yes. Before you go though, we're going to give you a chance to share your social media handles and all the platforms that we can find you. And I recall some time ago, you did say that you have a 50% off coupon that teens can access. And although not, you know, most, most of the persons who listen, most of our community members are not teens, but their parents are, um, you know, Absolutely. have teens, of course, and they can share that with them. So I'm going to ask you to share that giveaway and also share where it is that we can find you. So my social media handles for Twitter, it's Critical Mind, spelled K-R-Y for my crystal, K-R-Y-T-I-C-A-L-M-I-N-D. For Instagram, it's Crystal Tomlinson. And for Facebook, it's Crystal Tomlinson. And the website is crystaltomlinson.com. Um, and the, the giveaway, of course, it's a 50% off coupon for our Teens on Purpose online course. It's a four-week course that comes packed with homework for teens who need a little extra encouragement, refocusing, um, and mentorship. Perhaps, well, not perhaps, certainly in my experience, the lessons that parents and teachers try to send our way sometimes get blocked because their mommy and daddy, they're supposed to say those things and I'm supposed to ignore them. A, a lot of what teens need to hear must come from a third and outside voice. And so our Teens on Purpose online course gives them that other voice to hear some of that same guidance and direction, but from somebody who they could consider not having an interest in, in guiding and telling them what to do, but just passing on what we know to be true. And it's a great community on Facebook of other teenagers who continue to share their daily experiences. So once you go on to um, our, our course page, the code would be ONTROPU18. So the listener would have to email me to register, and then I would send them the course and the link to the page. So the email address is admin at crystaltomlinson.com. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Crystal. You, it has been a pleasure having you on finally. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Awesome. sauce, And we wish you all the best in all your endeavors. I receive it. I receive it. And may your podcast get to 10 million subscribers. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I receive that. that. I receive you know, that. that. Yeah. So, number one podcast across all platforms. Thank you. Please. Declaration. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. And and say hello to the girl them sugar for me, right? I will. <laughs> I will. He's actually hearing the interview and I'm passing around, passing around. Oh, but he's hey, being baby. polite and not, and not <laughs> into, the, into the phone. <laughs> Take care, Crystal.
Thank you so much for listening to The Entrepreneurial You. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell a friend or rate and review us in Apple Podcast. To learn more about the podcast, please go to hennikawatkisporter.com. And of course, before I head out, I have to say a big thank you to all our stakeholders who made Leadercast Kingston such a tremendous success. Leadercast Kingston was brought to you by The Entrepreneurial You in association with the Argier Glino Communications Group and our sponsors, Exim Bank Jamaica, Pear Tree Press, Jamaica Public Service Company, Jamaica Stock Exchange, Stocks and Securities Limited, NCUFM, and the Jamaica Chamber of Commerce. Now, that was a very special our relationship because with the Jamaica Chamber of Commerce, Leadercast Kingston was able to name our first leader worth following. We went in search of someone based on the mantra of Leadercast to develop leaders worth following. And with the partnership of the Jamaica Chamber of Commerce, Leadercast Kingston identified Valerie Grant, who is the CEO of Geotech Vision Enterprises, as our inaugural leader worth following. So congrats to Valerie Grant. As well, I continue to say thanks to my awesome team, my core team, as well as those who supported on the day from university and college ambassadors. Senator the Honorable Royal Reed, who is the Minister of Education, Youth and Information in Jamaica, he gave opening remarks. I mean, we made the news on Par 106, got featured on GIS and so on. So it was a tremendous day. It was a tremendous success. And I thank all the stakeholders for making that happen. My name is Henny Kowalki-Sporter, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn just by putting in Henny Kowalki-Sporter. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good?